0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: This episode is brought to you by Just Egg. You can't have plant-based breakfast without a plant-based egg. You can get started with a free sample. Just head to ju.st slash hrn.
2: This week on Meet and 3, we're jumping into a world filled with fizz, iridescence, and deliciousness. We're talking about bubbles.
3: It came from the air gas truck. Yeah, no, I never thought about it before that.
1: And I think it's emerged as a bulbous tea shops, a site of Asian American youth uh, identity building.
0: We're called the invisible industry because these products you don't really see, but they're around us in every way, um, every day.
2: Listen to Meet in Three wherever you get your podcasts.
1: So you don't shun the, the, devil, the devil with your rock and roll. roll Lord knows no. that country music's gonna save your soul. The oh. is grooving rhythm and blues it's gonna
2: get you started. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Souther Teague. Uh, Greg Benson is lucky bastard fully vaccinated and in Mexico right now, so uh, he was going to join us, but he is flying from one city to another and is stuck in an airport without Wi-Fi, and Damon Bolte, luckiest bastard I know, uh, can't join us today because he is uh, getting vaccinated. So vaccines are happening, travel is beginning to happen, the world is reopening, Uh, there is uh, some sunshine on the horizon, we're getting to the end of this tunnel, and hopefully life will get back to a pace that we're more accustomed to or or, or that we live more healthy lives within. So just going to be me today on the show, but I'm joined by my good friend Mark Shetler from uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, where he is the bartender and GM at Bartonique. He's also the executive director at Shift Change. Welcome to the virtual studio, Mark. Thanks, Southern. Good to be here. Hey, man. I'm always happy to hear your voice. Uh, We've been communicating uh, for years, uh, and then recently we've been connecting over Clubhouse, which is a uh, a new social media platform that's all audio. It's been pretty great to hear your voice. You're, you've always been a strong presence uh, and you've always got lots of uh, lots of opinions to share. So I'm really excited to have you on the show. Uh,
3: you I, I feel like at least the second part of that
2: about the opinions to share is on, is uh, <laughs> definitely definitely on point. Uh, yeah. And I love that you're so outspoken about all that. Um, and that you've uh, created uh, avenues to use your opinionated uh, and you know um, driven voice to to make changes for the better within within our community and beyond. Frankly, so super stoked to get you on the show and talk to you a little bit today about some of that stuff and some of the stuff you've had to change to 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 match the situation that's going on at hand. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk first a little bit about uh, who you are and, and what's going on. Talk talk about Bartonic. Talk about yourself a little bit. Yeah, so um, familiarize my
3: listener with who you are. Right, right. Uh, yeah, so I've been at Bartonique for seven years. Bartonique has been uh, at the edge of the French Quarter for 13 years. Um, it's, I, I feel like the most accurate way to describe it is a craft cocktail dive bar. I know that gets thrown around a lot, but like straight up, and I say this because I'm not the one that founded it or had, or like I'm just trying to not screw it up. Like, I feel like we have changed as little as we can over the last 13 years and have really, you know, like held down. I think that, that like vibe of being a unpretentious craft bar that is bartender driven. And, uh, we try really hard, very intentionally and, 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 um, vocally to facilitate a community space. Um, and, um, uh, yeah, so I've been the general manager for six years now. And like I, I said, I've been there for seven. Um, I uh, was uh, vice president and then president of our bartender's guild chapter um, years ago. I guess that that those two things ended uh, at the end of 2017. And uh, during that time, um, I kind of leveraged those titles to start getting really deeply involved in city government and city politics. And that really started for me in 2015. Um, I think at that time I was the vice president of our chapter um, and was able to just start going into council meetings and into city hall and say, you know, I'm the vice president and local chapter of the U.S. Bartenders
2: Guild. You have to listen to me um, that, that you feel like that position gave you enough clout to to, to walk into those rooms. 100 percent. Um, And one of the
3: things that I've learned since then is absolutely any title, but just attach an incorporated name or a a loose group that you have convened or whatever it is, is as easy as it is to get people in there or excuse me, to get your to get yourself at least with a toe, you know, in the door. Um, I don't think I knew it at the time. I just was. Being, I don't know if it was like it was probably some combination combination of like naive na- naivete and hubris, and I've got nothing to lose by at least trying. Um, well, and, I think it, I
2: think it's a pretty simple and straightforward piece of math, right? Like, a, yeah, you, you've got you've got a credential, like this suddenly you gives got you a credential. W- w- it's like you know. that,
3: um, um, that 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 uh, uh, not Bill and Ted, uh, the Wayne's World um, thing where they're. Um, Uh, just flashing their badges and just like flashing, 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 flashing to just get through. And it's like not even the right badge. Right. Um, But yeah, uh, I I think, you know, but there's also something that I think is like a core belief for me is that uh, something that has informed my advocacy work forever, just kind of, I guess, whether it's not, uh, uh, not, you know, volunteer work for years or, or that predates all of this or whatever it is, is I was raised with a really strong sense of I think right and wrong and of a strong aversion to the abuse of power wherever it is, and so I feel like have always have not have never been my mom taught me to never be afraid of people because of their power or like their supposed power or their position or whatever if they're doing wrong shit that and and you know it and you feel. Equipped to push back on it it's a responsibility to so do um and like the people in city government are literally my employees. My tax dollars pay them they work for me, and if they are not doing their job in the way that I want to see it done, it's incumbent upon me to go get up their ass and do something about it um, I'm not saying that that's something that I think everybody has to share, but I would suggest that you know whether it's somebody in our industry, um, you know, having been deeply involved with all the stuff that happened with tales of the cocktail for, but one example, Mm -hmm. um, or, uh, you know, yeah, like things within city government, um, you you know, uh, for when they were doing vice raids on our strip clubs and we were able to stop that and get some laws passed to help protect them, uh, ongoing. Like though those abuses of power, I think are, are, are things that um, I uh, I guess institutionally respond to, and then um, if I can if I can pivot here to another part of like by way of introduction, um, in 2016 I started doing work in sexual violence prevention specifically within our industry, um, and at the time that was under the kind of masthead of we, we had called it Proof Positive Project. Um, and then in 2017, um, the co-founder uh, left, had to leave town to, to, for some health reasons. And then the Me Too movement happened. And it seemed like at that point, it was a really good moment for me as a man to just shut the hell up and not try to be, you know, like out in the front of it. Um, it, it just seemed like a very important moment for women to be able to have their voices be at the fore, especially. Um, and in the course of that fall, another organization popped up locally called Medusa, by the end of their first meeting, the founder of that group and I were like, okay, so we work together now. It's just a matter of what our our new organization is going to be called. Um, And that's how Shift Change was born. Um, And we incorporated 501c3 status in January of uh, 2018 as an organization doing sexual violence prevention. And uh, specifically uh, within our industry, though, right? 100%. All of my advocacy work I've ever done is related to uh, like, you know, in the the better part of the last decade has been spent. Uh, Everything is adjacent and like is related to our industry. Um, Service, hospitality, tourism, nightlife. I always say, like, if you're making your living at 2 a.m. on a Saturday night, I want to I'm I'm listening like I'm, I'm trying to be here to help you out. Um so uh we uh worked for a few years under shift change in 2019 there was some upheaval again my co-founder ha- uh moved to take care of some family um and then some stuff on the business side with me with the bar whatever and we um had a major certification program for sexual violence um awareness intervention prevention intervention and response um, that we were set to release um, a, a, a national program called Building Bridges to help um, build bridges between local communities of the service industry and their, and their local um, advocacy community so that they could take the work on themselves after we were gone, but to kind of serve as facilitator translators. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that was all going to release in a really major way with an organizational rebranding and all of this in April of 2020. Um, but right after Mardi Gras 2020, which was in February, I talked to a couple friends in Singapore who are expats and was like, what do you guys see coming with this COVID stuff? Cause it's obviously getting here. And you know, the response was like, expect to close. Um, so we paused everything with the organization. We have a, um, uh, an actually an officially legally recognized holiday in the city of New Orleans um, called tip out day. This is the first Sunday after April 1st, because uh, April is sexual assault awareness month where um, tipped employees donate all or a portion of their tips to local sexual violence prevention organizations. Um, we canceled that for 2020 because we knew that people would make a commitment in March and then not have a job in April. Um, and everything paused. I mentioned that I've done work within city government, city and state government for a few years here um, in New Orleans. That's always been outside the purvey of shift change because we do sexual violence prevention work. Right. Or like Mm -hmm. if it can be related, we'll relate it into it. But again, at this point, it's like, y'all all all know me, like, you know, me as an industry advocate down there. Like if, if we're going to talk about something, it doesn't have to be related to sexual violence. Fine. So on the day uh, the week before our shutdown, we had an eviction moratorium um, that council passed and I called some of them up and was like, guys, this, you know, this isn't enough. We're just delaying the inevitable. So we started working really closely on housing with some housing advocates, some of the banks here and like trying to figure out like what some next steps could be, even just in terms of like if it was just technical assistance and, and, and know your right stuff and all of this and right. just better understanding the housing market so that we could advocate for what we really needed to solve the problem. Then everything was moving a hundred miles an hour that that last week, you know, that, that that from March 10th to the 17th. I mean, nationwide, right? Because I think by about the 17th, everybody was pretty much shut down, um, and that was when our shutdown was,
0: mm-hmm.
3: which was a Tuesday. On that Monday, um, some uh, colleagues at City Hall had reached out and asked me to to, to join them on two, and then three, and now four. Um, different committees within city hall that were working on COVID response. It started to become clear that all of this April stuff that we were like, Oh, we're just going to delay it for a little while. Yeah, it yeah. was like, look, this sexual violence prevention stuff, unfortunately most businesses are going to be in an existential crisis for the next, for, for, the foreseeable future. And nobody is going to be interested in this. Like it's just not going to happen. Right. Um. And I kind of I went to the board and, you know, we kind of just had a conversation that was like, look, I'm not going to not I'm not going to not do all of this work for the city, like to respond to this existential crisis that the industry is in. Like I'm doing it. And I had started a legislative research project at that point that was nationwide, that was all volunteer run from people within the industry and was had all this stuff going it was like we either need to expand the mission statement or shift change could be in an existential crisis as well coming out of this because I can't do any work in the field of sexual violence prevention when everyone's locked at home. Right. So we made the decision to expand the mission statement to be overall service industry advocacy work. Um, and that is where the organization lives now. We will always, I think have our focus, um, in sexual violence and partner violence. Um, I'm a survivor of sexual assault numerous times over. I'm a survivor of intimate partner violence numerous times over Um, and like I said, I grew up around this work. My mom just recently retired from the, um, Los Angeles family justice center. So, um, I'm not going anywhere in that sphere, but as an organization, there's a lot more that we can be doing. And, you know, I think something that's really important is to just follow your impact. Um, and sometimes that gets me into trouble of being overbooked, but like if we're following our impact, right now I think that that clearly dictates that our horizons are a bit broader than maybe they had set out to be in 2016 or 2018 um, but as an organization that is where things stand um, substantively today and then we've got a whole myriad of different projects that are floating around right now um, but nothing that nothing that has like a tangible we're gonna release this on you know May 1st so um, right. yeah. I know apologies for being long winded there, but I, it's, it's it's fascinating
2: (laughs) stuff. It's fascinating stuff. And it is a lot. And I think that what we're really discovering through what you're saying is that, um, the pool is sort of deeper than we ever thought that it was on the need for advocacy for our industry as a whole. Right
3: yeah i was talking with some of our friends uh, this is an outgrowth of some conversations on clubhouse um with uh, nate white uh white or what i don't know how he says his name Whithouse or Whitehouse. Uh, hey, house first yeah. and okay um michael naff um carrie mm-hmm. green um you know we've been talking about the need to stand up an actual think tank for our industry and they're setting up a pack and you know, I've got my 501c3, and there's the 501c6, and and you know Zach in DC has a c6, and um, we're trying to figure out like what is the landscape for this advocacy work going to be? And actually, I think landscape is probably the wrong buzzword. What how <laughs> what do we need to be building to be able to be effective and once again like follow that impact? Um, and then you you know you look at organizations like the IRC that have done incredible things for the first time, right? Not, not, not to disparage them. I mean, like for the first time ever, we had seen work like they did done. Um, You know, I I have certainly learned in the last six, seven years that the restaurant associations, national and statewide, have completely um, uh, uh, bogarted. Uh, That's not the word I'm looking for, but it's what they've done. Um, uh, They have kind of hoarded all of the access and influence. But they don't speak for us, um, and then you have organizations which, like the USBG, which I I respect. I was a member of it. I worked really hard within it. I want all the best things for it, but like they are not well served as a policy advocate organization. Um, uh, phenomenal groups that I'm just like in awe of what they do. Like another round, another rally, but so much of what they do is like direct direct support for people, right? Or then you right. have an organization like ROC United, which frankly. I think is uh, is I'm talking from the outside. They might listen to this and get angry with me, but like I think is is my my perspective is like they are evolving from a single issue organization um, and and really starting to now respond to what the industry actually wants. um, You know, and understanding I think that that some of the stuff that they were organizing around like is not as uniformly desired as might have been thought. So there is this. There is this opening right here on policy um, and and advocacy work that needs to be filled. And I think that what we've been able to do in New Orleans strategically, like with very, very intentional strategy um, for years now, um, uh, I think really demonstrates the potential to scale that work to... Not just like like I think the, the word that we the, the phrase that people often, you know, use is like our voice needs to be heard. I agree with that. Um, but I think a really important thing that I think of, too, when I'm kind of like navigating this stuff and thinking strategy is I want to seat at the table where my voice is heard. Right. Because I feel like sometimes it's like voice is heard. is like show up to the council meeting and you consider it. You consider what I said. And then that's that. Right. But like to me, that's not good enough. Like I want a seat on the committee where the decisions are being made. When the policy is getting written, I want my pen on that piece of paper. Right? And voice is not enough. Listening to me is your baseline job as a policymaker. What I want us aspiring to is actually writing that shit. What I want us aspiring to is holding them accountable, yeah. is, is actually saying, you say this is what you want. You say you have heard me. Now we're going to work on delivering on that.
2: Yeah, deliverables. That's that's a that's a, that's always the goal. But it's, it's
3: it's it's three AM conversations after work. Otherwise, right? Like we've been right. having them for years, and it's all fine and well, and it's good that we did because we have to articulate what our values are and know what it is that we're working towards, and and know what it is that we're working towards as a collective, right? Like know what it is that I want, that only I want, and so it's not really. Appropriate or responsible as somebody who would claim a mantle of an industry advocate to just push for the things that are exclusive to me. Like, that's not appropriate. So, it's important that we're having those dialogues. But again, like, rubber has never met the road, or I shouldn't, it, rubber has so rarely met the road in the outcomes that our independent small businesses, um, operators, and especially our workforce ha- need and have needed for decades. That I think right now we are in this moment where we're sur- we're surrounded by rubble that we we all wish that the, that the building hadn't fallen down around us. Of course, it would be there was so much wrong with it. There was so much foundationally wrong with the industry as of 2019. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But we did not anybody wish the devastation on the industry that we now are surrounded with. Right. Such that we could achieve the opportunity that we do have and we can't pretend we don't. And that opportunity is to sift through this rubble and rebuild with an intentionality that we have not seen before. Right. That all of those 3 a.m. conversations where we did define our values, it's time to implement those changes. This moment cannot pass by without uh, without establishing a new status quo. Because if it does, the old status quo that served the same old power structures that oppressed us and that created inequities and pain throughout our industry, they're just going to come back and 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 rebuild it again because yeah. it is in their vested interest to maintain that old status quo.
2: Of course, and I think what you're touching on a little bit is the fact that the organizations that have been out there that we thought were maybe championing us um, were not necessarily looking at the fabric. All the way down to the, uh, to the mom and pops. I think the, thing, the organizations like the NRA speak for the National Restaurant Association as a whole, but they speak more to the top than to the, the foundation, which is which is much larger than the top. Uh, and plus, I don't think that the NRA necessarily uh, wanted to look at the warts, the ugly parts that yeah. you that you, uh, that you are facing sort of bravely and directly. Um, I
3: agree. I think there was a lot of, of that kind of sense of, of boosterism and, and kind of like, um, Oh, like exception, like, you know, like we are so exceptional and we're so great and, and all of this. And it's like, no, we're not. And like, that's actually a disservice. Look like, uh, so that we can, we can talk about this, but, uh, you know, I know you've been very outspoken about, um, uh, uh, about the, um, uh, I don't want to say struggle. I, I really hate that word, but it's the one that this is that society has pinned into my mind here um, with depression. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess like with with the way in which you you live with it ongoing, and I'm bipolar too. So mm-hmm. I and I, I so I think I share that in saying it mm-hmm. um, that like neither this analogy here, neither you nor I do ourselves any service by pretending like we don't confront those issues and have to live with them every day, right? The right. way that you and I help ourselves best is to confront and be very clear-eyed about where our, I'll say quote unquote deficiencies, right? Or like where our weak points might be day to day. That's how we actually improve ourselves in our lives. And uh, when I've, we don't have organizations that are willing to look at our quote unquote warts, like you guys, it's disrespectful to everybody here. Like you're not like you're whist, like you're whistling past the graveyard. And, and literally, <laughs> over the last year, we're <laughs> dying while you do it.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say uh, I would agree with that. And I would say that, you know, w- whatever I do and whatever you do, I'm sure to face your issues um, when you are vocal about them. You include people who are maybe having similar problems and don't know how to help themselves. So when you help yourself in this regard, you help others, which frankly, I think, is a thread that we need to tug at more in general. Um, anytime you're helping yourself, you're probably helping the people around you as well. Um, Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. We're going to come back and keep talking to Mark from New Orleans about all of his advocacy work and all the great things that he's doing to improve our industry as a whole. So stay tuned. If there is a silver lining to the past year, it's been the ability for for us to speak more easily with people from all over the world. And I don't mean just here on the show. I mean, in general, um, you know, I can't tell you the countless number of Zoom classes and tastings that I've been involved in. Uh, I can't tell you the number of phone calls that I've made in the past year, which I wouldn't have made prior. I think I've spent more time on the actual telephone speaking to friends all over the world this past year than I have uh, in the past five years combined. Um, It's brought sharp focus on the notion that we're all in this together. Uh, Another silver lining is how uh, that now the USBG and Diageo have reimagined World Class, the the bartending competition uh, that we all know and love, um, as a a virtual event uh, that's open to everyone, 21 and over, for free. I I can't stress that enough. It's for free. Um, So jump over to DiageoBarAcademy.com. That's D-I-A-G-E-O BarAcademy.com. Click on World Class. Register for the event. Again, it's free. You can view all the competitions on demand. Uh, They ended on the 6th. Uh, And and then uh, upcoming is going to be the the World Finals in Madrid, uh, which you can catch as well. Uh, And then there's plus a a lots of educational seminars to take in. This is a wonderful event. I was involved with it for uh, two separate years. And, you know, back then we didn't really have live audiences. Um, We had a a smattering of people, maybe up to 50, watching us compete. But uh, knowing that it's now global and thousands and thousands of people can join in and watch, it's it's, it's pretty amazing. Uh, So, again, another silver lining uh, that we can look at as uh, as we come out of this uh, pandemic, uh, so cheers Just Egg is now the fastest
1: growing egg brand in the United States bring more plant based consumers in your doors with easy to use Just Egg you can get started with a free sample just head to ju.st slash hrn that's ju.st slash hrn made from plants just Egg is a better egg for you and for the planet. It's healthier, with no cholesterol, and less saturated fat. And it's more sustainable. Just Egg uses less water and generates fewer carbon emissions. Most importantly, it's delicious. For our listeners who operate a food service establishment, you can get a sample for free. Head to ju.st hrn. That's ju. .st/hrn Just Egg makes a delicious plant-based addition to any menu. It's available as a liquid scramble, great for omelets, frittatas, stir-fries, and French toast. There's also a frozen pre-baked folded version that's ideal for filling breakfast sandwiches or topping salads. Chef Jose Andres calls Just Egg mind-blowing, and Bon Appetit says, It's so good, I feel guilty eating it. Put the fastest-growing egg brand on your menu. Get a free sample of Just Egg for your restaurant at ju.st hrn.
2: And we're back on the speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. Thanks for tuning in. I'm hanging out today with Mark Shetler from New Orleans. He's the bartender and general manager at Bartonique. Uh, he's also the executive director at Shift Change. And man, uh, Mark, you have lots to say, and I'm very interested in hearing all about it. Um, to Talk a little bit about what's going on with your advocacy work as of today. We've, we've spent a good deal of time sort of leading up to what's been happening. Where are you at today?
3: Yeah. Um... Thank you for, for for all that. So I right now um, uh, through shift change, we worked with the Tulane Medical School back in the spring to establish a to create a, um, a COVID safety business pledge um, called Brace for COVID nineteen, um, and that's still churning along. Um, uh, the places where I am most focused within like the shift change umbrella right now. Um, a lot of the work that I'm doing in partnership with city government and, and like a nonprofit and, and, and uh, NGOs locally, um, is kind of split into two buckets. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you could probably call it five or six there and they're all kind of coming together into one, but, um, mm-hmm. uh, there's a project that I'm working on, um, that I'm really proud of, uh, that we, I was able to pull together, uh, um, council and the mayor's office and a whole bunch of other uh, stakeholders. And we're developing something that is kind of uh, elevator pitched as a road home for small businesses, um, which will hopefully work better than the road home program did after the storm, um, after Katrina. But um, uh, essentially looking at the businesses that have closed over the last year and trying to put together a package of regulatory easement, TA, uh, technical assistance, Um, potential grant funding avenues, um, uh, 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 fast tracks, uh, you know, permitting stuff, everything that we can come up with to try to get them back to market as quickly as we can. Um, I think we all know the demand. This is not a, a, a disaster like others, right? Where if I'm to reference, you know, something like Sandy or Katrina or whatever, where the community had to spend a lot of time recovering in like infrastructure and just getting residents back. Everyone's still here. The roads are still built. Um, the businesses are still standing. It's just that the people can't go to them. So mm-hmm. as soon as the floodgates open uh it'll be a flood. So the fear yeah. is that the only people who are going to be able to meet that demand are going to be, you know, uh speculators, corporate interests um that will have a proliferation of chain QSRs um, that uh uh you know, I think in the long term are not potentially beneficial to the industry, right? Like that's where automation is going to come m- most quickly that is going to hollow out the front of house workforce it's a lot harder to get buy-in on issues like DEI and and taking care of people when you start talking about like global corporations that don't, that are in the business of dehumanization. Um, So uh, we're trying to really make sure that the people who took it on the chin in our community are the ones who are able to get back as quickly as we can. Um, And then there's another kind of Avenue within that where that's priority. Number one is kind of the triage element to it. Um, But we're also looking at how we might be able to extend that program to also help, um, first-time entrepreneurs who are coming up within the bit within the industry that they had previously been working. So there's Mm -hmm. this, I think there's a, the fact is if you look at our industry and, and and we can look back to the recession of, of 08 and 09 to see that this is what we should expect that there was a hollowing out of the middle class then nationwide. Right. And I think that what you see in our industry and are likely to see brought to um, to bear, to, to have laid more stark over the next year or two, um, is that within our workforce, the next generation of managers, entrepreneurs, owners left because they were best positioned to pivot out. Um, you know, they had those skill sets, they had that access, and they were chomping at the bit for something better. And now, I think that those people, understandably, look at the the landscape of our industry today and are like, "I'm fucking out of here." Um, so that's a major brain drain that I think we have to confront as an industry. The same thing is true to the owners and operators, right? The people who were those small independents who were thinking about opening a second place or continue to expand, they might be out completely. Their whole life's work is gone. So Mm -hmm. we're trying to do what we can to head that off. Um, and part of that is trying to establish that to extend that kind of support network to people who have worked in the industry for, you know, X period of time and are going to be the operators. And then the other aspect of it is trying to figure out how we can also target minority um, uh, minorities within our community um, that, you know, run, run the gamut of, of, of representation, um, who could also be a part of that fast track, as long as they're a resident um, of Orleans parish. So that's, that's a big project. Um, uh, It also, folds into something that is really becoming my big passion project right now. And this is kind of where a lot of work that I've done over the last year has kind of crystallized and is all coming into focus around what um, uh, is being called the new hospitality. Um, So, you know, you might think about something like like new urbanism in urban planning, right? It's like there's a a, there's a manifesto. There's an idea behind it. This is what it means to be a new urbanist uh, development, city, community, whatever, um, so that this new hospitality is a way to articulate all of these values that we have been aspiring to for so many years, kind of in silos around the country um, and across the industry, across our industry, to put it all in one place, but also to give tools for implementation, to provide models, to make the case in a way that appeals to policymakers so that they can see that something that falls under this umbrella is part of like a holistic reimagining of our industry um that is gonna deliver better outcomes for everyone who engages with it um so that's a lot that's a lot of ideative work, but yeah. it's also a lot of really i think like minute detail um we just um were this morning going over this massive survey that we that we just put out and we're getting going um through preliminary results on um I'm about to be writing a column for a new for a spinoff of food and beverage magazine called proof. That is going to be examining, basically talking about the new hospitality, um, doing something for spill that's on that. We're about to be starting a clubhouse that's that's going to be looking at that. Um, So that's really where a lot of my immediate focus is now going to Right, is like really trying to put out something that says enough was fucking enough. And we're not like we know that we all aspire. We, nobody's in this industry uh, because they're trying to get rich. Right. Like what's the old saying? Like if you the best way to make a small fortune in the restaurant industry is to start with a large fortune.
2: Yeah. <laughs> people
3: are here because we like doing healing work. We like taking care of people. And mm. I don't know a whole lot of people, even the really shitty ones who we can all think of and worked for that at their in their core. There is goodness where they are in this industry because they like taking care of people. They like being a positive influence in their community. They might not always be good at it, but I think that that is something that is a a through line for for our industry. We got to actually start operationalizing that. Yeah. Um, And so I'm really keyed in on doing that right now.
2: How many people are on your team, Mark? This sounds like an insurmountable amount of work for one person.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh like the brace team we've got a good team behind that um and uh I mean I I lean pretty heavily into collaboration. Um mm-hmm. I feel like I've watched people chase clout and uh build up their own personal brand. Um I feel like I've seen people chase clout and build up their own personal brand um, as opposed to really pursuing collaboration. Um, and when I look at the tangible results of their work, um, it, it really bears out that concept of, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together, nothing that I just mentioned, I'm doing alone. Absolutely right. nothing. Yeah, um, of course. I'm, I, I, I abhor redundancy. I aspire to like defeat ego in these, in the work that I'm doing, flatten hierarchies, Break down silos. Like we cannot affect the change that we need to by ourselves. It is not, like I am. I, it is very important to not try to put on a cape and be a savior. And that's something I learned through sexual violence and partner violence work. So you're right. It I could really benefit from a team. The problem I think that I look that I'm looking at right now is that for so many years I have financed all of this work with my hobby, which is bartending and managing a bar and teaching people bartending and all of this. That's not really there anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Because the, the money's down, whatever. So I'm trying really hard to pivot shift change into something that can be more of a career path for me um, and that is my primary source of income. Um, but frankly, like it's a fucking struggle every day, man. I mean, today my first meeting was at 8 a.m. and my last one's at 4 30. And this is one of my two one hour breaks that we're now doing this in, right? All right. <laughs> Don't play a violin for me. I'm doing it to myself. But like, I mean, the the team is the collaborators and really trying to lean into that and 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 um, uh, coalition building and, um, you know, trying to be good about sharing in the work um, and keeping the keeping, keeping the eyes on the prize, right? Saying like, I don't have to be the one whose name is on this as long as the thing gets done. Right. Um, and I think being in service of that impact and that goal helps have a small team. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Mark, I would ask you as we're getting close to the end here, what uh, can our listener do? What, what call to action can you give them? What can our listener do to be involved?
3: Well, I mentioned some of those projects that are soon to release um, the, the proof column. Um, uh, I've got a today deadline. Um, uh, the spill one is going to be coming out soon. Um, when you see, you know, that I'm out there in, in news or whatever, um, talking about the new hospitality, engage with it. Um, you know, drop a comment, put a like on it, uh, uh, say what you think, say that you think it's stupid or that it's great. And why, um, because we, we need to, we need this conversation to get going. Um, I think another thing that people can do to, if, if any of the things that I said today resonated, Um, is to get involved locally. Um, I do not need to be the masthead for this shit. The most impactful thing that anyone can do is to get involved in their immediate community. Help your neighbor, literally, like I know that this is sounds so trite, but like literally help your next door neighbor. Just do not wait for permission to change the world. Just get out there and start doing stuff. Find what your impact is and pursue it. Um, and I mean, my nonprofit, um, our website is shiftchange.ngo, non-governmental organization, shiftchange.ngo. Uh, everything pretty much goes through that. Um, I try to keep my social media personal. Um, my, my Facebook has a lot of stuff on it um, that faces the industry. Um, one thing that I will very specifically plug here, uh, next So today's Wednesday, next Wednesday, and then uh, the day after on Thursday, um, I'm going to be hosting candidate forums that are going to be live streamed with our two current candidates for the second congressional district. Um, We, our previous representative, Cedric Richmond, um, who was, he was great. He held office forever, you know, head of the congressional black caucus, all these wonderful things. He's now a part of the Biden administration. um, So we're having a special election to fill his seat. This is the kind of power building that we need to see the fact that we are going to in the week in the last couple days of early voting, be able to sit down and have a one on one with the two people who are in an active campaign against each other. And one of them is going to be our congressperson. And this is not a damn listening session. It's not fluff. It's not a campaign event like we're going to talk about international trade policy, automation, labor. Um, healthcare access, Medicaid for all versus Medicare for all, like it's heavy policy lifting shit. Mm -hmm. Please tune into those live streams. The information is going to be on my Facebook. Please tune into those live streams, Even if you're not in New Orleans, it helps to get those views. And I think that if the things that we talked about today resonated, I really think that the content in those dialogues will resonate and hopefully inspire people To get involved in their own community and to show them how easy it is to just demand that seat at the table.
2: Yeah, that's impactful stuff. So uh, our listener can find that at your Facebook. and It's Mark Shetler, S-C-H. E T T L E R, right?
3: Yeah, uh, and I think it's like dot nine. I think like the number nine on it because there's eight other Mark Shetlers, I guess. Uh, but uh, um, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not hard to find. If you if you Google Mark Shetler, New Orleans bartender, um, I'll, I'll I'll pop up.
2: Yeah, indeed you will. Uh, well, man, this has been a very informative and pretty riveting uh, 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 show with you on today. I really appreciate you taking the time out of what sounds like a pretty busy day to come and talk to us about this important stuff and. I'm excited to get the show up uh, so people can uh, get involved where they can uh, because you know uh, you know the more hands that get on the work, the the lighter the work is right so um, totally. uh, we need we need more people to get involved and I think you know oftentimes as as sad as it as it is true, uh, oftentimes it takes a, a big uh, shake up to make people wake up. so um, you know the pandemic uh, in all of its uh, horrors. Uh, have shaken people and made them realize that you know things weren't weren't correct, uh, and they need to be addressed uh, in a more adult way. I think uh, I think a lot of the stuff that we've done in the bar industry has been sort of cavalier and a little bit casual. It's time to really sort of hunker down and, and, and face these problems uh, and hopefully fix them for for the current uh, sort of constituency and, and and make them even better for the future. So, uh, and really...
3: excuse the interruption on your coda, but I will say we know from 2008 from the recession that if we are not active participants in doing what you just said it won't happen
2: correct yeah uh, yeah no that's
3: cannot. we cannot be stupider than we are we got to <laughs> show up this time
2: yeah exactly um well man a really great and informative episode of the speakeasy thanks everybody for tuning in uh we'll be back next week and thanks to you mark for sharing your time with us today cheers buddy thanks other love you
3: appreciate you cheers
1: so, you don't, don't shun the, the, devil, the, devil, the devil, devil with your rock and roll. Knows no. that country music's gonna save your soul. The rebel buns oh. is grooving them. Rhythm and blues that sing. It's gonna get you signed.
2: The, the Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to the Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10 year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter.